Hello and welcome to 201X Best Games of the Decade, where we talk about the best games that came out in the past 10 years, year by year. I am Jared, also known as Ja, and I'm here with Christina, also known as Pop-Tart. Hello. And Mikey, also known as Keylock. What's up? Now, like I said, for each year of this decade, we will drill down the top 10 games of that year. And on this episode, we're going to be covering the best games of 2014. Before we hop in, I just want to say welcome back to anybody that's been listening. I imagine you wouldn't just hop in at 2014 unless you really like 2014 for some uh, for some reason. And uh, with the list of games we're getting ready to talk about, I can't see why. So I'm going to imagine that you have listened to the other shows as well. Uh, welcome back. If you have any thoughts on this show or even our previous shows, feel free to connect to us on Twitter at The MASH Network on Twitter or join us on Discord at discord.me slash mash those buttons. Uh, another thing before we get started, I just want to mention the lock-in system that we have. Uh, each host has an opportunity or had an opportunity to pick a game from each year and lock it into the top 10. Not a specific space on the top 10, but at least it gets on the list. Those picks will be announced as they come up. And with that, let's hop into number 10. Best games of 2014, number 10. South Park, Stick of Truth. South Park Stick of Truth wasn't merely a way to drain money from a popular franchise, it was a fun turn-based RPG with mechanics that don't get tiresome. Painstaking detail went into its creation, making it feel like you are playing an actual episode of the show, if not a movie due to its length. Stick of Truth was a well-crafted delight for fans of the series. Okay, coming at number 10, South Park Stick of Truth. I mean, I gotta be honest, it always gets me a little bit when, um, branded, not branded, but you know, stuff like, you know, stuff that comes from like TV and movies, when they make games, it's actually a good game because historically speaking, it's just not right. Usually movie games are bad, comic book games are bad, uh, TV games are bad, but no, not South Park Stick of Truth. South Park Stick of Truth was like an homage to South Park. While at the same time, it could be its own South Park episode or movie because of how long it was, you know. So that's how I had a great time. I, I didn't really have much interest in playing the game, even though I'm, I'm I am a South Park fan. But then I, when I actually did play the game, I think I, I pulled like twenty hours in it over the course of one weekend, and I laughed all the way through. So it was it was a great game. They did a good job making it a South. Like it is, it is a it is, you are playing a South Park episode. <laughs> Yeah, it was I mean, a lot of fun. Um, I did feel uncomfortable playing it in a couple of scenes, <laughs> which doesn't happen too often, but it's South Park. So it's, it was one of those things where I'm like, please, nobody walk in the door while I'm trying to like do this abortion, please. Because <laughs> I don't know how I can explain that. <laughs> right. Yeah. I, I mean, thought you were going to bring up like, do you want to come in while like, that kids' parents are having sex in the background. I don't want to think about that. I didn't want to bring that up on the podcast. <laughs> yeah, I mean, it, it, there's no, there's no better um, compliment than saying like, then it, it, it's like a perfect South Park episode. Like it was funny. All the co- it had hundreds of callbacks to things in prior seasons, which got all the fans probably really happy to see like callbacks to 
scenarios that we've seen before. It was just it was just really solid. And it's not like they skipped out on the gameplay either. Like, while it wasn't like revolutionary or whatever, it was actually solid turn-based RPG mechanics. Like, didn't really have much to complain about. Yeah, I mean, it was a I mean, it was it was a it was a solid RPG to begin with, but the thing that took it over the top was if you were a South Park fan, it was just great, you know, especially like if you've been watching South Park for a long time, it was almost like a cutoff from the newer stuff within the last few years. And I mean, I, that probably makes sense because game development takes a few years. So it felt like they had cut off, cut off the content uh, from like, you know, before like a two or three years before the game came out and all the stuff before that is what you would expect. Like, you know, uh, the, 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 the zombie poor people, or uh, you know, putting a, a a mouse up Mr. Slave's ass, shit like that, you know, from previous South Parks. So, uh, or previous South Park seasons, and even like I'm pretty sure Zombie Chef was in there too. Mm-hmm. Yep. You know, man, bear, pig, stuff like that. So yeah, no, they did an excellent job with it. Um, came out in a good year. I'll be honest with you. Like other years, I may have made this list. <laughs> so. Well, what's funny is that it's, everyone complained that it kept getting pushed back. But honestly, like you said, like it got pushed back into the right year to be launched. Yeah, it, it worked out well. So, oh, wasn't it? Oh, wait, what, wasn't it because of like all the THQ like weird shit happening? Right, because THQ like closed or like shut down or whatever. Right. I think then Ubisoft picked them up or something. Yeah. Yeah. There was some weird T- shit happening around T- this H- year. THQ got picked apart. Yeah. Like, yeah, I mean, THQ got, got picked apart. Yeah. So, all right. Well, let's move on to number nine. Best games of 2014. Number nine Pokemon Omega Ruby and Alpha Sapphire. More than a remake of Pokemon Omega and Sapphire, Omega Ruby and Alpha Sapphire offer new features like Area Nav, Soar, and Secret Bases. These change how you interact with other players, navigate the world, and catch Pokemon. Additionally, Omega Ruby and Alpha Sapphire are compatible with Pokemon X and Y, which means that for the first time on the 3DS, you really could catch them all. All right, number nine, Pokemon Omega Ruby Alpha Sapphire. This is a Christina lock-in, so you go ahead. Do your thing. (laughs) So so Generation 3 is one of my favorite generations because of just everything about it. Like, the way it looked, it had such a big jump. Um, The original release. Um, The music was fantastic. And they took everything that they made from that generation and just did it better. Um, it was still mostly the same storyline, but they did change a couple things in it uh, to make it better. Like they explained things so it didn't feel as short. They added a really long post game, which is insane because you didn't really see that in Pokemon games like that, like with cutscenes and everything. Like this game is coming off of the heels of X and Y where they like implemented a lot of the the new systems and how everything looks. And like, dude, X and Y was so bad. Like... <laughs> It just kind of. At least they kept. 
At least they kept the good thing from X and Y, and that was Mega Evolutions. They did. At least did. they kept, which was, which was brilliant. Thank God they kept that. And they actually explained that in the game where, like, I don't know if this is a little bit of a spoiler because it's kind of like a little Easter egg where they kind of explain that, like, oh, maybe there's an alternate universe that they don't do Mega Evolutions. So then now you're getting into, like, the alternate universes of Pokemon and woo. Um, they did, I think my favorite thing in this game though, is they added this thing called the area nav, um, which expanded when you beat the game because then the national decks unlocked, but the area nav would tell you how many Pokemon was left to catch in that route. So that way you can like farm that route if you wanted to catch all the Pokemon at one time, but they kept the secret bases and just made them better and you could visit oh my God. secret, secret bases. L- Secret bit. Why? What? Where's my secret bases now? Right? I want secret bases all the time. I mean, we have campings, but whatever. I want secret bases back. Bring that shit back. I want to decorate my own space and have people come visit and be like, "Oh, this is cool." I agree. I miss that. That's why I like Animal Crossing so much. But anyway, make Pokemon, but make it Animal Crossing. <laughs> that would be great. Um, I mean, yeah, that'd be kind of dope. Um, but yeah, I mean, Omega Ruby and Alpha Sapphire, like you said, is like, it was a remake of Gen 3. Gen 3 is also one of my favorite gens and it just did everything Gen 3 did and better. And so I don't, it's like, it, it was just a really good Pokemon. Like, I mean, it had lots of water and it was great. (laughs) (laughs) Oh my God. They also, so this is the game I think that they I think they did some of this in X and Y, but they started expanding on like how different things work. So they added Soar in the game. So when you got the Latios and Latias or however you say their names, you could actually call them down and you could fly over the map. And when you did that, there is actually different islands that you could like go to that weren't accessible in past game in the past game that like legendaries would show up on certain days and stuff. And that was an awesome feature that they added to the game. I think you could collect this. That was like one of the first games that you could collect like every Pokemon or close to every Pokemon just in the game itself without like trading, except for like version exclusives. So they really put a lot more work into that game, I feel like, than X and Y. (laughs) I can tell. (laughs) It was amazing. You should play it. Like yeah, we got, we got him, we're getting get him to play to sword. <laughs> we're getting him to play sword. That's an accomplishment in itself. That's true. I'll let it pass. But, I'll let it slide. Yeah, I've played every Pokemon, every main Pokemon game that's come out. I have played them. <laughs> just, just, just saying. Okay. So, the only one I didn't like was Sun and Moon. I mean, that's valid. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> that's valid. So. But all right, let's uh, not get off on that tangent. Let's move to number eight. Best games of 2014, number eight, Bayonetta 2. Bayonetta 2 doesn't bring much in terms of innovation, but it refined Bayonetta's create combat formula to near perfection. Bayonetta 2 is more focused on the execution of its fantastic combat system that has depth for players to explore, while also being accessible to newcomers. This game has unforgettable, challenging bosses, a ton of content to unlock, and a memorable protagonist. All right, number eight, Bayonetta 2. Who locked this in? Anybody want to guess? Three, two, one. It was Mike, obviously. <laughs> <Duh>. <laughs> um, 
Bayonetta 2 is Bayonetta 1, but everything's fucking better. Um, <laughs> like, I, That's it. Thanks, folks. Yeah, I mean, like, it's kind of like when we talked about Mario uh, Galaxy 2. Like how right, it's like, yeah. what do you what do you say about like a perfect action game? Oh wait, we just made the perfect action game even better. The enemies were more varied. The uh, combat situations you were in were cool. Were the areas you were in weren't just in heaven. We were also in hell. Um, the boss battles were, were felt a lot better in this game because they weren't all massive giant fucking monsters. There was a lot more like human size 1v1 situations which really like amped up the like i don't know why but i really just like i get more amp about like 1v1 fights like that than like oh it's a giant dragon that i'm gonna have to like do some crazy bullshit to when it's like a 1v1 like kind of fight like and you both have like the same kind of special moves or whatever it's just more interesting to me at least personally the music was fucking baller the story still doesn't make any goddamn sense so i'm not even gonna like try but I mean, her, it, her hair is still still her clothes, right? Her hair is still her clothes, but she has a pixie cut now, and it I was looks gonna great. Say she has short hair now, so I don't. Yes, it's it, her hair is still her clothes, but she has a pixie cut, and it looks great. <laughs> Bitch, be working it. Um, they had costumes that, if you wore the Star Fox outfit, like, and during a what during one section of the game where you're on a plane, it would actually be an R wing. And like the the talking prompts would come up like old school Star Fox prompts or whatever really? like that. <laughs> it was so fucking cool. The game is just fucking cool. It plays better than the first game. It has cooler bosses. It's just uh, they made they they made a perfect action game and they made it better. I don't I don't fucking know what people want. I don't know. Other than maybe like maybe not her clothes be her hair. I guess. <laughs> <laughs> That would be a good nah, one, yeah. <laughs> yeah, I didn't play Bayonetta 2. I only played the first one. The first one, the combat was good, but I just never went back to it because it's kind of ridiculous. Yeah. The, the, the overall game itself is just kind of yes. ridiculous. Yes, that's so. that that fair. I will never, I will never, if you if you don't play Bayonetta because of the, you know, the storyline or because of just the characters are just fucking batshit crazy, I completely understand. But I will say it is some of the best, like, action combat you will see in any kind of action game compared to it is up there devil may cry and that game go back and forth with like what is like at the top peak of like action games okay you wouldn't even put god of war into that uh not the new one i mean like the original trailer hell no <laughs> really <laughs> no bro you can like I mashed through God of War just fine. Like, I didn't have to, like, perfect block a whole lot. I didn't have to do anything like that. Like, there wasn't a whole lot of challenge to the old God of War games. Mm, okay. All right, well, we're going to move on to number seven. Best games of 2014, number seven, Transistor. After the success of Bastion, Transistor showed that Supergiant Games was not a one-hit wonder. Transistor offers players a surprisingly customizable play experience. The weapon system allows you to combine effects and elements, while a simple press of the button lets players decide if they would prefer to engage their foes in real time or plan their attack. 
We haven't even mentioned the stunning visuals, excellent dialogue, and amazing soundtrack. Transistor established that Supergiant was here to stay. All right, coming at number seven, Transistor. The second time uh, Supergiant's been on, on one of our lists. I mean, they only have like, what, three games? They have four games. Four games. I mean, one's in early access, right? One's in early access. So they have three yeah. out and one's in early access. I can't, I don't, I don't know if Pyre is going to make a list, to be perfectly honest with you. Well, I, I, I do enjoy slams and jams. I was going to say, <laughs> I was gonna say, do you not like the games of the slams and the jams and the talking? Yeah. And the- Cause it's, it's more talking than slams and jams. I think that's part of the problem. It's mostly, uh, it's magic basketball folks. <laughs> it is magic <laughs> basketball fire. And I don't know if it's going to make it, but transistor. Now transistor Definitely. was something special. They they basically took that same art style from well it's not the same art style as Bastion, but it was that had that hand drawn unique art style. Like you know you kind it feels like you're kind of moving through an anime feature. It looked great. It had a amazing soundtrack. I actually had a chance to sit down with the sound designer at PAX East that year and talk to him while I was playing the game. So that was cool and. I mean, the game kind of varied because it was both action. It was both an action game and a strategy game. You know, you can write and f- you can uh, fight in real time, but you could also freeze time and plan your attack so it becomes more strategic. You know, and also you can combine weapons and their effects. So you can get like, let's say, one of your weapons is a sword, another weapon is a grenade, another weapon's a gun, per se. And you can could take the grenade and merge it into the sword so that every time you hit somebody, it had an explosive effect and, you know, stuff like that. And, and actually, I don't, depending on how you actually combined the weapons, it would give you different lore based on that. So mm-hmm. it just gives you a ton of replayability. Just simply of that, if you wanted to get more of the story. And then they you weren't really locked in to any of that because you could respec at any checkpoint. That so, was experimenting yeah. with the chip system was some of the most fun you could have because honestly you could come up with some crazy builds. Exactly. Like it was encouraged. So, you know, you had a, you had a good story, a good soundtrack, uh, some pretty decent boss fights, you know? And, yeah. um, yeah, I would say the boss has a decent, the, the most fun was just making it through the levels and dealing with the challenges put in front of you. I think the challenge rooms were some of the most fun I'd had is just because you would have to go with a chip set that you're not really, that you would, you would think this would work, but really what you needed was to work the room a different way. And to do that, you would require the different chip sets and different plugs to plug into them and stuff like that. And it was it was just a very impressive game, and I also they handled the uh, stop time mechanic or the like the turn like you would pause the game, take your turn, make your actions, and then it would recharge before you could do another action or something like that. I thought that was very uh, well handled, and you didn't have to use it either. You could play the whole game uh, in real time. Right? Yeah you you had you had the choice, so you could play however you wanted to. Personally, I wouldn't recommend it, but hey, you can do what you want. <laughs> you know, Transistor was a good game. I, I, I it was. A, I think it was a surprise for everybody because it's not like they made a bunch of noise before it was announced at PAX East. And I remember there was a line that wrapped around that wrapped around their booth like two times, and everybody loved it. So they did a great job. Another great game from Super Giant. Yeah, soundtrack was amazing though. 
like oh, hands yeah, down one of the best soundtracks that year yeah i said i have uh the opening track like it's on my, it's on a few of my playlists the um oh god i can't I, I'm, I'm drawing a blank i can't remember the name of the song now but it's the opening track to the game when you first kind of wake up and you find you know the sword and the dude you know so it's pretty, it's pretty cool all right let's go ahead and move into number six best games of 2014 number six mario kart 8 Mario Kart 8 was more than just the Wii U's iteration of Nintendo's kart racing franchise. New features like bumping for speed boosts and gliding enhanced gameplay, while the core Mario Kart experience remained intact. Tracks are creative, vibrant, and fun. New items were added to both cause and mitigate the chaos of racing. This Mario Kart is one of the most refreshing in the history of the series. Number 6, Mario Kart 8. And, uh, I mean, Mario, the thing is about Mario Kart, uh, staples like Mario Kart, like, they're always going to be good games, right? Just the formula of Mario Kart in general, it's always going to be, they're always going to be good games. But this Mario Kart did bring a bunch of changes to the series, or new additions and stuff like that. You know, like, you had the horn, I think it was the first time the horn was, it, the horn was in a Mario Kart, is that correct? Where uh, you had somebody, if somebody was blue-shelling you, you could use the horn to get rid of it. Oh, that horn, yeah. Oh, the I item. I thought you meant, the like, item, keeping... Like, oh, yeah. No, <laughs> I thought you meant, no, no. You're talking about the item box that would yes. basically AOE damage around that would delete items around you, yeah. They added, like, a level of strategy to the item collection in this game that was, like, we hadn't seen before. And they also added the uh, anti-gravity system. Yes. Which really changed how you would play certain tracks. Because whereas right. normally you wouldn't want heavies would normally want to bump into you to knock you away or whatever like that, you would almost want to bump into them on purpose so you could speed boost past them because right. it was just very, very interesting dynamic change. Or you can bump into somebody to make them boost off the edge. That's cool, too. Oh, that's some high level shit. That, yeah. <laughs> So I played a little bit of Mario Kart 8 when it came out. Um, I think the thing that uh, benefited me the most was I didn't play too much of the other Mario Karts in the past. So when I got Mario Kart 8, I'm like, yeah, I really like this. Um, it was just super easy to get into. The levels were nice. I mean, I think in every cup I hate at least one level. But for the most part, they're all pretty good. They brought back a lot of classics. They changed the weight around because the way the weight used to be is they had like five weight classes. So now they only have three weight classes, but they have like subclasses for like each character. It's like to like nine different weights. So that kind of plays a part, except they like lowered like the different amount types of carts you have. So you have more carts, but like not all of them have their own stats like they used to. So they definitely did a lot of adjusting for this game. Yeah, yeah, it was different. I mean, it was good enough that I know some people who bought it on the Wii U and then bought it again on the uh, on the Switch, which I'm not exactly sure what the difference is between the regular and deluxe, to be honest with you. Well, let me tell you. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> um, they got rid of fire hopping, which was not cheating. Let's let's be honest. It was not cheating. You didn't have to get rid of that. Um, so what that was is if you had a purple boost and then you snaked, you kept that momentum for a little mm -hmm. bit. Uh, but they got rid of that because people were saying it was cheating. It wasn't. Um, and then they added the double items. So what the double items did um, was you. 
So when you're in first place, you get a lot of coins. If you have double items, there's a chance of you you don't get two coins. You'll get a coin and then a banana. So like that's like very useful to think of like how it added a little bit more strategy to the game, to right. be honest. It um, kind of worked like Double Dash, but the problem is, but you didn't get to swap between the items like you do in Double Dash. Right. If that makes sense. Did you play Double Dash? No. Oh, <laughs> uh, okay. Yeah, yeah, Jaw, yeah. did you play Double Dash? Yeah, yeah. So it works like that, but you unlike like where you could swap the characters and pick which item you were using or whatever, you don't get to. It's in like sequential order. Right. Um and then of course they had all the DLC. The DLC for this game was very generous. They added basically half the game to the game. Like they added 16 new maps when there was like 32. So, which was obviously not in the original Mario Kart, you had to purchase it deluxe. It came with it. And then they added a couple more characters. Um, yeah, it, it was a really solid Mario Kart. I still play it to this day. I mean, because the they DLC have it on the Switch. The, yeah, the DLC was super good, too. Like, they released really good DLC for Mario Kart 8. Like, the Animal Crossing map, um, adding the villager in as a kart racer. Um, adding Link in with a Hyrule map was really dope. Now, was this the first time they did... Um, external Mario characters that weren't just in the Mario universe? Uh, I want to... I don't know. Can't confirm. I want to say yes, but I'm not sure. Hasn't Donkey Kong been in Mario Kart? Donkey Kong is part of the Mario universe. Yeah, he's part of the Mario universe. He's in Mario Mm. games. I mean, where did Mario come from? Mario was in his game. (laughs) Whatever. (laughs) Uh, you know, so. And the online was pretty good. I had a lot of fun playing online, which Nintendo was not getting right for a very long time. So, no, I think this is like one of the few games that worked well on Wii U online. Mm-hmm. Actually, which is an accomplishment in itself. Right. This is one so. of the rare games that worked well on Wii U. <laughs> <laughs> All right. All right. Well, let's go ahead and move into number five. If you're an athlete, you know the greatest motivator of all is the fear of letting your teammates down. After all, a team is only as good as its weakest link. So you owe it to those wearing the same jersey as you to be your best every time you step on the field. That's why there's no vape in team. When you vape, you can expose your lungs to toxic chemicals that can damage your lungs. If you're a step behind, the team's a step behind. Brought to you by The Real Cost and the FDA. Hi, I'm Daniel, founder of Pretty Litter. Did you know cats tend to hide symptoms of sickness and pain? I learned this the hard way after losing my cat, Gingy. So I created Pretty Litter, a health monitoring litter that helps detect early signs of illness by changing colors, saving you money and potentially your cat's life. Pretty Litter is veterinary and developed, and it's the easiest way to keep tabs on your fur baby's health right at home. Go to prettylitter.com and use code SPOTIFY for 20% off your first order and a free cat toy. Terms and conditions apply. See site for details. Best games of 2014, number five. Infamous Second Son. Well, Infamous Second Son didn't launch with the PS4, it was definitely a showcase of its power. Instead of just a single element, Delson is able to use an array of elemental abilities to tear through Seattle, or save it if you're so inclined. 
The variety of powers allow players more choice in how they want to play, and the game's open-world map was well-crafted to allow players to gain access to any ability they needed when they needed it. Bottom line, being a superhero is fun, in case you needed to be told for a third time. Alright, coming at number five, Infamous Second Son. And I am gonna probably like start out with probably the biggest problem the game had was that it had to follow up infamous too that was tough that, that, that that's tough that's like when your older brother is like captain of the football team and valor victorian and then they get into a good college and they graduate with some type of engineering degree and here you are <laughs> you yeah know. Yeah, it's that yeah. it's, it's it's a tough act to follow because Infamous Two, I think, is one of the best games that came out this decade, you know, and that that was probably like you know I tried not to go into the game with hopes, <laughs> like cause I was like I know it's, it, it can't they can't they can't do that twice they can't make Infamous Two twice especially because when you know are you, you saying lightning can't strike twice? Ooh, Infamous reference. <laughs> 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 no, but um. Yeah, just like especially when you you find out that they're switching out the main character from Cole to Delson, uh, you know that that was probably the the game's biggest problem. But other than that, from in terms of being like a superhero, you know, open world game, it was pretty good. I mean, from a, a from a level design perspective or a world design perspective, and your activities in the world and switching between your powers and stuff like that, you know, it was a solid game. It was a good game. It was fun to play especially for this year this is like you know this wasn't a ps4 launch title but it was close oh, enough the, the ps4 had like, only been out for a few months it was like it was like in the window or something what is it, what do people call it release it was in the release in the window yeah, yeah it was like that awkward time where like people weren't releasing things because like launch was already over and now people are trying to like you know put their games actually out. So then this game came out and people are like, oh, a game to play. Let's go. <laughs> exactly. Like, right. I played the shit out of this game. Like all of my focus was on infamous you know, second son when, when I played it. So right. Um, and it, the, it probably sounds bad. Like, cause I'm about to like dog shit on it because it's like, why'd you give me the best power at the end of the game? And then the game's over. Everybody says that, yeah. Like that was a like, that was a misstep. That was a misstep. Like the way they handled the final power, um, it it would have made more sense if there was like you know and more end game stuff to do, more right. like maybe DLC on the way that included Delson because uh, yeah, the DLC which was standalone DLC First Light did not include Delson. It was still great though. Still yeah, great. top notch. I almost top- say first. I was sometimes I sometimes like say first light was like because it was more condensed and more focused. Like it could be argued that first light is a well more well put together game than Second Sun. Um, yeah, the the story is smaller in scope and it is more focused because of you only have the one power. But you know the one thing I will say about this infamous though is that you know this was really like a testament to the F- PS4's power because the destruction of the world around you and the effects oh, yeah. and the particles and stuff like that, oh, yeah. like when you go into an area, it's nice and organized, and when you leave after you fought all those people, like it is, uh, it is a hot mess. <laughs> Seattle <laughs> was not having a good day after I destroyed everything in it, pretty much. Um, <laughs> But yeah, yeah, no. Also, like, 
some of the powers were really solid. Like the neon power was really good. The smoke power was really good. The gravel, the concrete power was super good if you actually played around with it after the end. Uh, the video power was, eh, it was, it was right. great for getting around the city. That's about <laughs> it. Uh, it was great for getting around the city. Actually, yeah. I do think they, they, it feels like they kind of cleaned up the level traversal and, or, the, or the map traversal in this game. Like the way you utilize your powers to get around feels more natural than even the previous infamous games because the mm-hmm. previous, like, so for infamous one, you basically just need to make sure you find a way, like you hop up a building basically and you find your way to the train tracks and you ride the train tracks where you need to go. Mm-hmm. Infamous 2, uh, you have like that spider wet, the, the, the Spider-Man electric power that like will hit you, let you hook on the buildings and draw you to it. Uh, and then, um, you know, you do have a boost power, but this one, it really felt really smooth. So, yeah. And some of the fights are in like geographically, like I don't want to say large areas, but there's a lot to, to, to traverse in areas where the fights are happening. So being able to get around like that is actually really cool. Yeah, and I think each area really was like you could tell what power would ex- succeed where very easily and what power you needed for traversal to succeed in whatever fight you were in. Right. Yeah, absolutely. Um, I mean... I, I know it probably sounds like I'm do- I'm I wasn't 100 percent. I still collected every blast shard in this game, and I upgraded everything 100 percent, and I did everything in this game. And I mean, part of that might be because there wasn't a lot on the PS4 at the time, but I enjoyed my time with it. Like I still like it was fun. It was a good ass game. It gave me it. It it might be the weakest of the Infamous series, but I mean, the Infamous series is that damn good. Like, absolutely yeah yeah that's the i would say it is the weakest of the series and but that like it's a good series a great series actually yeah so here's the uh, ghost of tsushima um oh <laughs> <laughs> uh, yeah I, I i almost wanted to fail so they can get back to making infamous games bring cole back <laughs> bring him back <laughs> All right, we're going to go ahead and move in to number four. Best games of 2014, number four, Hearthstone. Hearthstone took players by surprise as it was an extension of the Warcraft universe outside of its RTS and MMO roots. Hearthstone applied that Blizzard polish to the collectible card game genre, taking many well-known characters and monsters from Warcraft lore and merging them with innovative card mechanics to produce a game that was welcoming for new players, but also addictive for veterans. Hearthstone's sound design and game box inspired UI were top notch and the free to play model felt fair. Hearthstone was such a great success that players clamored for it on mobile because yes, they did have phones. Number four, Hearthstone. This is one of those games that I don't think anybody here actually plays all that much, but it is undeniable the impact that this game has had. You know, I just they it brought back digital card games because you know uh, Blizzard made Hearthstone, uh, Valve attempted Artifact, which just did not work out well. Well, it uh, did, but then Valve didn't do anything with it. Artifact, you think Artifact worked out well? I think that there were people interested and then Valve just killed it. 
There's people interested in everything. There's a new Sonic fighter that's coming out, and I'm sure what? people are going to want to make that competitive. <laughs> you know, people, so somebody is always interested in something, you know? Uh, but that's what I'm saying. I just don't think it did well enough. I, I think, I think, a, I think Artifact could have done well. It just, they, it was, it was mishandled so hard by like marketing and everybody and anything like it was just it was just mishandled so bad because i mean we see what's happening with the league of legends card game and it's starting to like ramp up where like they handled their their shit really well with that i just don't think artifact handled their shit very well and didn't artifact uh have like the cards where that you could like you could buy each card each card had a market value right like real cards do I think so. Yeah. They they just did everything kind of wrong in the aspect where MTG Arena and League of Legends have learned from Hearthstone. And honestly, that's why Hearthstone is on this list is because it's like the first digital card game that seemed to do everything just right. Absolutely. And this wasn't even like a main project of theirs. This is this is somebody's like side project that they made and brought it to Blizzard Execs. And I'm like, oh, this is pretty good. Let's show it to everybody at PAX East. I missed that show. I might go this year. You miss Pax East? I miss Pax. I miss Pax East. It's hard for me to justify spending the money to go to Boston, though. Boston's expensive for no reason, no reason. <laughs> but uh, yeah. So yeah, Hearthstone knows it is a. I am not a card game fan, but it's undeniable the effect that Hearthstone has had on the industry and other card games. I mean, it really reinvigorated a, a genre there, there, like something that most publishers wouldn't think people would actually want you know what'd you get before that before card like card games before hearthstone Yu-Gi-Oh, you know oh, stuff God. like that pokemon had a game boy game they had the game boy color pokemon tcg yeah mm-hmm, mm-hmm. um yeah. what other t i mean magic had those duels the planeswalkers games but they weren't really like the card games Right. Really well. It was weird. No one really did TCGs really well, mostly because it's hard to. Because what's what's brilliant about Hearthstone is you can't do something during the other person's turn unless they like activate like a trap, basically, or a trigger. Whereas most games like Magic or Yu-Gi-Oh or something like that, you can always interrupt the other person's action with something. You know what I mean? So it keeps right. Hearthstone moving because there's no like stopping them be like hold on hold on they played something do you want to play do you want to play now oh you don't want to okay cool okay they played another card oh you want do you want to play something now they played a card like that's literally the problem with most card games is because every time someone plays a card you have to give the opponent a chance to respond right hearthstone doesn't do that really i don't think anyway and the thing about hearthstone is like it's pulled from like all of their other um games so at least wow actually yeah. when i say all of your other games i mean wow so like yeah. <laughs> if you know wow like you can like at least follow along with what kind of what's going on but even if you don't know anything about okay well i'm saying like you can see whatever if no you, i'm agreeing with you i'm oh, saying like i i you were I shaking your head I thought like you i was shaking so. my head like i don't play wow and I well, had no idea about any of the characters, but I was able to follow along the the cards and figure out like what was happening. Yeah, they make it very easy to just look at the game and be like, "Oh, I know what's going on." I don't play. I try to play Hearthstone, and I just don't. 
I'm not competitive, so I didn't get into it. But when I watch a Hearthstone competition, I know what's happening. Yeah, I mean, like Hearthstone. If I'm if I remember correctly, if I if I if I'm thinking about this the right way, I'm pretty sure Hearthstone is like you're in a tavern in WoW, and they're telling stories, yes. and you know how bar stories go. That's how they're able to get away with like using like the '80s music in their marketing for you know the new hearthstone packs and stuff like that for things that never obviously never happened in warcraft lore somebody's just making some shit up as they're talking at the bar that's what that's what the the, the campaigns and stuff like that the thing are. about their marketing though is it's so good i mean if you watch their tra- it's blizzard so of course it's going to be super good but like if you just watch like the the commercials that they have like it makes you want to play Hearthstone, and then and, you realize, oh, it's Hearthstone. Like I'm not into that. And yeah, they exactly. don't even <laughs> use their full like CG power behind it. They're like using the art off the cards, and they're just like making it like look cool. Like well, yeah, it's, I, yeah. I think if they tried too hard and did CG stuff, that would actually ruin it. Like the heart. That's what makes the Hearthstone stuff actually work. You know? Hearthstone is a great side game to play when you're waiting in queue for something. Like that is what Hearthstone always was for me, and it was and it was perfect for that. Yeah. All right, so let's go ahead and move into number three. Best games of 2014, number three. Super Smash Brothers Wii U. Wii U wasn't a very popular console, but a game that got units moving was Super Smash Bros. Wii U. With new game modes and the largest selection of characters at the time, this entry to the franchise can still be enjoyed by players of all skill levels. Go crazy with four friends, or get serious one-on-one, no items. So number three, Super Smash Bros. Wii U. There's a lot of, uh, I don't know. Like, the, 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 I think the... the I, whenever I hear about this game, it's either people love it or they hate it. And usually if they hate it, they're a melee person. <laughs> they're, me- they're a melee player. Go figure they hate ultimate too, and they're a melee player. I was going to say, I um, think <laughs> melee players hate everything. This is if, true. Is it melee? I hate it. oh it's still melee i hate certain parts of melee but i will still hate it less than anything anyway that's a side entire another story uh smash bros with you is super fucking good smash game um its roster is fucking dumb like if you showed someone the roster of fucking smash bros Wii U back in like the time melee launched they'd be like this is fake like this is <laughs> yeah. this is this is who who photoshopped this? Well, that's the like, thing is people thought the announcements were fake or like the like anything that they saw was fake because like who would have thought like like for the DLC that like Cloud would be in a Smash game? Like how did they even get Cloud? <laughs> right? How did they even pull that off? Like how yeah. Bayonetta is in this game? Right. Please explain well, how Ryu? girl with huh like Ryu? Ryu? like yeah like the the go- roster is just nuts <laughs> like, i mean didn't that all really start with snake though and brawl it was did it, was it, it, was it, did. it, it did i think um um kojima even said that he wanted snake to be in, in smash brothers a very long time ago so like when it happened it was like oh that's that's a cool thing that happened like surprise but right you know uh, the but that was one character. There's like 
four characters that like are, I don't want to say out of place, but you know, out of place in Smash U. And then you're just like, oh, that's cool. Right. Right. Like it was just it's just crazy to think like how many characters there that just like they were able to get and all the weird characters they added. Like the Wii Fit trainer. Like what the fuck? Like everybody loves her though. She's great. I know, and everyone loves her slash him, whichever way you play it. Um, and they just they added fan favorites back. They made characters like actual characters, like Zero Suit Samus was actually a real character now instead of like So the reason they did that was the limitation for the 3DS. They couldn't have characters swapping between characters. Uh right. which is why they switched, you know, Zelda and Sheik. But then they did the greatest thing that everybody was so mad about was take out the ice climbers. Yeah, <laughs> we corrected that later. Um, <laughs> flash forward to whenever, what, next year, like 2018 or something like that. <laughs> next year. Uh, or when, whenever Smash Ultimate came out. I can't remember. Um, the, the, the stages were pretty. They fucking nailed the music. They inputted in characters no one thought would ever be in a freaking smash game uh everyone loves the psychopathic villager i'll never understand why but they just love his psychopathic ways uh and yeah i don't know like smash wii u was like it was just so impressive that they were able to like improve uh from brawl because i mean brawl already was like it wasn't a good competitive smash game but like Brawl was still like a very fun just Smash Bros game, and it felt like Wii U, Wii U was on the steps to being like, okay, we can kind of make some competitiveness here out of Wii U, at least, and not have to just rely on melee. Right. Well, it kind of had no choice because Nintendo was pushing really hard to like, if you're gonna run a tournament, it needs to be a like a a, a Smash U tournament. Right. You know, because they this is I remember they around this time there was a bunch of contention because they were pulling down streams and pulling shit off of youtube and yeah nintendo's very much the crotchety old get off my lawn like you know (laughs) you and your newfangled streams is that (laughs) when nintendo started like forcing content creators that made youtube nintendo content to like be part of their partner program so they can make money off of the money that you're making off of youtube yeah like stuff like that yeah Yeah. nintendo was doing all that jazz so, but you know, that's kind of thing. It's like they didn't like. I mean, unlike a lot of other developers or publishers, they don't need YouTube. They don't need Twitch. You know, you tell like if you drop if you told me a new Mario is dropping tomorrow, okay, I'll see you tomorrow. <laughs> like you know, that's that's, <laughs> that's how it's gonna go. Like they uh, don't, they don't, they don't have to promote. They could, like you said, like they can just be like, Zelda's coming out. Cool. Everyone's bought that game. <laughs> yeah, it doesn't exactly. matter. Like, I mean, if you want to look at a Zelda game that no one should have, well, some people like Skyward Sword, I guess, but whatever. Um, like, it doesn't matter. Like, you could. I mean, there are some games that don't play to that role. Like, I don't think people give a shit about a Kirby game, maybe as much. But like, not as much. Uh, but like a Smash game, you don't have to do shit. Like, they do not have to promote Smash as much as they do. Smash is a system seller. That's the thing. Like a a smash game will sell consoles. Smash 
sold Wii U's. Like Wii oh, U yes. has a big yeah. number because of Smash Bros. Like yep. that that is out. Their sales go up like six hundred percent or something stupid when Smash came out too. It it was dumb. It was a dumb number, but I can't remember <laughs> what it was. But like, yeah, basically, because like that was the only that was Mario Kart and Smash U were really the the sellers for the Wii U. Yeah, so the staples. That's Nintendo. Like that's why I don't think you really bust about you break a sweat when their hardware isn't doing that well because they know they just need to put out their first party titles. And they'll get a huge sales uh, jump. So, but Smash Wii U was good, and that was a precursor to what we have with the uh, Smash Ultimate today. So, let's go ahead and move into number two. Best games of 2014. Number two, Wolfenstein: The New Order. Reboots can be tricky, but Wolfenstein: The New Order successfully revived the series. Machine Games developed an FPS that truly gives you the option of stealthily moving through well-designed levels or taking the hard way and tearing through your enemies directly. In addition to a well-written story, the dialogue gives each character a memorable personality to get attached to, bringing the members of the Resistance to life. Combine that with the soundtrack created by Mick Gordon, and you have one excellent game. All right, coming at number two, Wolfenstein, The New Order. And actually, I think this game is one of the reasons why Bethesda allowed id software to make the doom game that they did uh because this is like really the start of i want to say Bethesda becoming the king of fps games at least for a while they dropped the best first person shooter from 2014 to 2017 easily uh, i want to say 2014 is new order 2015 is the old blood wolfenstein 2016 is Doom, 2017 is Wolfenstein 2. Just year after year after year, dropping amazing FPS games. So, yeah, the New Order was a great reboot of uh, the Wolfenstein series. It really revived it from the dead because they kind of had ran that that series into the ground at that point. Uh, it was an alternate history where Nazis won World War II. And I think that was actually a really good choice to make because if they kept down the occult path, it just feels kind of stupid. That's why I think the problem with the other Wolfenstein games, like after, you know, uh, you know, uh, Castle Wolfenstein, Return to Castle Wolfenstein, stuff like that, and they started going, well, the Nazis are making zombies and bringing shit in from hell. I mean, there's comics about that. It's called Hellboy, you know. Like there's a uh, there's other stuff that handles that, and Wolfenstein really wasn't the place. But focusing on what the game does in terms of the story, not just the story, but the design of the game itself. And the design of the enemies is it focuses on what the Nazis had done in real life and even stuff that like the types of war crimes they committed and stuff like that. And somebody imagined, well, what would have happened if they wouldn't have been stopped? What would have that what kind of, you know, what could have that what, what would have been produced from that? And that's why you have these big mechanical dogs that breathe fire or these super soldiers uh, that have these like uh, incredible bodies and they have these incredible, you know, armored soldiers and why there's a moon base and stuff like that, you know, in the 60s. So, you know, somebody that's that's what it that's the type of environment that you're fighting in. And it was just a lot of fun. It was an extremely solid campaign. You know, uh, it had a good story. It had great level design. 
you can either play loud or you can play stealth. And they have mechanics for both. Like if you were just about it and you wanted to like shoot shit up, you could do that. The game was much harder if you did that, by the way. You know, because they had that um commander system, which is still in the game. But they have the commander system in the games where if the commander was alive, every so many, you know, minutes of the alarms going off or like every minute or so of the alarms going off, I think, they reinforced the, the people who were in the area. So you always had to kill the commanders first before you really started, you know, tearing things apart. Uh, they actually gave BJ depth, right? Like the Doom Marine still does not have depth, and I really hope they keep it that way. I hope they don't try to turn him into an actual character. Uh, this game uh, with with the uh, Doom Eternal, but with BJ, he actually had some depth. He, you know, he was an American hero. You know, that's what he was. He was a he was a red blooded American soldier, and he was gen- genuinely interested in helping people and saving the United States and really really hated nazis (laughs) you know and they kind of drill that in throughout the game so you know you had the one the external bj who would talk and and react in one way but then you got to hear a lot about his internal monologue and his thoughts while you're actually you know going through the missions they had a bunch of like just really good character just stuff that you really didn't see all that much in a first person shooter you know i mean i think like before the new order one of the better first one shooters of the decade was Bioshock Infinite, right? And you had, you know, character development with Booker. You had character development with Elizabeth. Uh, technically speaking, character development of Comstock. I don't want to spoil it for anybody, but technically speaking, a character development of that guy. Um, but, like, I think Wolfenstein has just so many characters. I mean, you have Death's Head. You have, uh, oh, man, I'm trying to think of the main, the main villain in Wolfenstein 2. She's in it. Uh, I can't remember her name right now. Frau, I think her name was. So you had her, uh, you had her lover, you had BJ, you had Anya, you had all the people in the resistance, like everybody, they were all their own characters. And it was great. It was, it was, it was amazing. Like having all those characters that actually had character development and they were just really cool people. So yeah. Like, so even like when one of the NPCs dies later in the game, it's like, man, I'm really about to fuck some Nazis up over that shit, <laughs> you know, because it, it it sucks. But uh, no, Wolfenstein Two was just it was just great, man. Like I I played it kind of late. Like I didn't play it when it came out because I'm like, oh great, another Wolfenstein game. And then it magically appeared in my Steam list. Like I didn't even know I bought the game. That's how like it just it just appeared there. It felt like and I was like, oh, I guess I'll check <laughs> it out. <laughs> it was yeah, and I started playing. I was like, man, this is really, really good. So, yeah, definitely deserving. One of the best shooters of this decade. Definitely one of the best games of this year. So it is rightfully at number two. But let's go ahead and move, move into our number one game of the year. Best games of 2014. Number one, Dragon Age Inquisition. Dragon Age Inquisition was a masterwork from Bioware. Fans expected nothing less than a great story, interesting characters, and a large world packed with meaningful activities, and Inquisition delivered on all fronts. This expansive and epic RPG is one of the best of the Dragon Age series, and the best game of 2014. Alright, coming in at number one, 
Dragon Age Inquisition. This game picked a great year to come out. It's not a, it's not a, it's not like it was a bad game, but it like still, it, it really shined above everything else. <laughs> like it, it was, there was no doubt that this is the best game that came out in 2014. You know, oh no, we looked at the list of games and it was pretty much unanimous when we walked in, like on the, on the draft episode. It's like, so Dragon Age is number one, right? Right. Okay, cool. <laughs> Moving on. Um, <laughs> yeah. But go I ahead, Mike. I think you have the most experience in this game. I love this game. This a lot of people like love Dragon Age Origins, and I get it. I understand why. This is my favorite Dragon Age. The storyline is very compelling to me, even though I didn't play the Dragon Age Two DLC, which basically that DLC is like one of the things that happens in it is actually like the main villain of this game in a sense. Uh. The, the the combat felt a lot more action focused like you i felt like i was doing more real time combat than i was pausing the game and dictating out things um which lends to my action game fanaticism in a sense uh you could play the game in a multitude of ways there were tons of classes tons of abilities to unlock the social inter- the social interactions were amazing the voice acting was Mm, on was good. I loved it. And I don't know, there was just something about that world and the story that was going on that really just struck home with me. And I still like go back every once in a while and just turn it on and just hop in the world and just play around and maybe go fight a dragon or go clean up some side quest somewhere or something like that. And it was just a very, very solid Western RPG with great dialogue, great decisions, great choices, great combat. I, I, I love Inquis- Inquisition. Is my favorite Dragon Age, hands down. Yeah, I mean, this. I'm not even a really big Dragon Age fan, to be perfectly honest with you. But it was. It's pretty clear that they. I mean, there's just there was a lot of stuff to do in this game. Uh, you know, uh, I didn't even think, I didn't even explore it much, but that was from what I, I've, I've talked to people. Like, it, there was a, just a ton of exploration to do in the game and activities. Like, it never, you never really felt like bored playing it. You know, uh, there was a lot of activities to do. There was a good upgrade system. It was just a solid game. It was a lot of fun. It was a great experience to play through. It's one of those games that when you're done with it, you you probably really feel feel like full, right? Like you're just like you're you're full of the game. You you got everything out of it. You you do, and then you realize, oh wait, if I played an elf race, a whole bunch of things change. If I was playing, you know, a different gender or race combination with this class, because if you were playing a mage, if you were playing an elf mage, you were pretty much treated like the most like horrible fucking thing on the planet like depending on just the different things that you chose as a character class but yeah it was a very chunky game even if you only picked like one class one race one gender to go through Mm. yeah so i say this game it was it was undisputed for this year so i guess it came out in a good year you know 2014 was a good year for this game to come out really shine i think i guess the thing was i like you know uh, the, but like this game in Wolfenstein, I just thought like really shined above everything else, including even like with Smash Brothers and Mario Kart, in my opinion. You know, everything was just kind of okay. Um, but the, the, these two games were, fu- were just phenomenal. 
you know. Well, what hurt smashes is online was fucking trash. If it had perfect online, I'd say it would be debatable, but right. Another day is here and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDSE. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. So, uh, any closing thoughts for 2014? It was a great year for me and Christina. <laughs> this was a great year for, I don't want to say my weird games, but like, you know, my weird games. Yeah, I think 2014 was like a year where all the developers were working on something else. <laughs> like that's what it kind of felt like they were just well, working on everything still, else. This, this was still like the first full year of the ps4 being out right yeah so like it was still early in like next gen kind of well at least ps4 next gen so right yeah we didn't you really i don't think you really start seeing projects that were really um that were really engaged in next gen until until like 2016 to be perfectly honest with you because i mean from 2016 onward like these lists are going to be on fire (laughs) <laughs> like that's what it that's what it feels like from 26 from the middle of 2016 to like this is like a this is like another like golden age of games uh which we're gonna get into because like you know the, the, t- the stuff that has come out since then has been amazing so yeah 2014 was like just one of the it was early next gen xbox was still stumbling like they were still tripping up i don't think at this point phil uh phil spencer was head of xbox at this point i don't think he became head of xbox until after e3 of 2014 you know i think e3 2015 maybe it was e3 2016 he might have been his first as the head of xbox but like yeah like he he hadn't taken over yet they were still stumbling over tripping over themselves because they launched the xbox as a multimedia device and not a game device they want everybody to use the xbox not just gamers and that was their ass so they never recovered from that (laughs) so yeah, 2014 was like I think this is like the weakest year we've had in games. We were going through these lists and we're like, man, there's only two games I want to really put on this list, <laughs> you know. So, uh, but yeah, that's it. Thank you guys for listening. Like I said earlier, we're always looking for feedback, so you can reach out to us on Discord at discord.me/slash mash those buttons. You can reach out to us on email at contact the or Twitter at the mash network. Uh, also. For our Patreon supporters, thank you very much for supporting us on Patreon. You know, helps us, enables us to make content like this. And uh, if you enjoy our content, you can also support Matches Buttons on Patreon and uh, help us out for as little as $1 a month and receive Patreon bonuses. Uh, for example, you can receive uh, Patreon bonuses for this series uh, for people on the fan tier 
you'll receive a bonus honorable mention episode for each episode. If you are a support tier Patreon, you will also receive a draft episode. So that's the episode where we actually drill down to the top 10 games. We don't record us determining the top, like what game, what order they're in, but we do drill down to the top 10 in those episodes. So like I said, fan tier Patreons will get the honorable mentions, support tier get honorable mentions and the draft episode. So once again, thank you very much to our supporters. If you like to support us on Patreon, it is patreon.com slash mash those buttons. And we are done for 2014. We'll see you in 2015, folks. See ya. Thanks for listening to a Mash Those Buttons production. If you enjoyed the show, you should check out MashThoseButtons.com and see if any of our other shows might interest you. All of our shows are available on your podcast platform of choice like Apple Podcasts, Google Podcasts, Spotify, and more. If you enjoy our content, you can help support Mash Those Buttons by becoming a patron at Patreon.com slash MashThoseButtons, where you can receive Patreon bonuses for as little as $1 a month. You can connect with Mash Those Buttons at twitter.com slash the Mash Network, facebook.com slash Mash Those Buttons, or join our Discord at mash.gg slash Discord. 